Please be seated. The reading today is from 1 John 4, verses 7 to 12. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. Thanks be to God. What a lovely sense of God's presence as we are worshipping there. Let's just um, take a moment and just thank God in our hearts and enjoy his presence uh, just before we jump into to what's going on. Father, thank you that you're here. Mm. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. You're so good to us, Lord. Your love is so real and so powerful. And we pray that you would change us from one degree of glory to another, even as we look at you and receive from you. We pray this morning that your love would just, even as it's amongst us by your spirit, that your love would just grow and grow and grow in our hearts. That we might truly love as you have loved us. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. What a joy to uh, be with you. I'm here for three weeks in a row. What a joy. Uh, and what I want to do, well, they've got to clap. <laughs> Just have to turn, turn up for three weeks in a row and you get a clap. Um, and, uh, and what I want to do for the next uh, three weeks is um, just do a mini-series on the love of, love of God. And the series is going to be entitled, A Perfect Love. And you'll all remember that phrase, which comes a little later in 1 John 4. Uh, the perfect love drives out fear. Um, and in some versions of the, the Bible, you will have seen, even at the end of this passage here, uh, that as God loves, uh, God lives in us and his love is made perfect in us. Uh, a perfect love. Uh, and really, I just want to underpin, I guess, uh, and give context and some vision to uh, a new move for us as a whole community 
which is the launch of our Kingdom Family uh, Communities. And um, you may have been looking at the list thinking, hey, you know, they all seem a bit young to me. You know, where am I going to go? <laughs> Uh, well, we've intentionally launched uh, nine across the whole church, uh, not dependent on age. They're open to us all. So it's really good not to despise uh, those who are young, but to learn from them, and also to be confident and secure for those of us who are a bit more vintage in age, that, hey, we might have something to offer and contribute. Um, and... Let's reflect one of the beautiful things about our church as a whole is that we have lots and lots of people representing every decade amongst us. And I think that is just so precious and so unique. Uh, and we want to reflect that within our kingdom, family, communities. Uh, and you'll hear the word family a bit. And I just want to sort of say that family, uh, in the context of kingdom, family, communities, is interchangeable with the word love. But I thought it might be a bit, almost a bit risque to call them kingdom love communities. I just kind of, you know, who knows what's going to happen at one of those. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, um, but, but the, the vision for this, and it was interesting working this through with the leaders, is um, we say kingdom family communities, and half of them heard kingdom, brilliant. We've been talking about this for five or six years. We're going to do the kingdom. We're going to release the presence of God. We're going to heal the sick. Right. Um, and, <laughs> um, and then half of them were like, family, finally. Oh, we're going to do love. We're going to do deep relationships. We're going to do family. It's going to be amazing. We're going to embrace one another. We're going to and what we were saying in, in our training of the leaders and our vision for these communities is we want to hold the kingdom and love together. Because when the kingdom is flowing amongst us healthily, love cannot help be the fruit. And I would just ask this question, have you ever tried to love with your own strength and found that it's not enough? <laughs> so to love as God loves requires a supernatural encounter whereby the love that God pours out from heaven is made real in our hearts so that we can love not just those we like and like to knock around with at the weekend, but those who God has called us to embrace and to reflect his love amongst a kingdom, family, community. So we're not not doing the kingdom and we're not not doing love. We're doing it all together. And uh, isn't, isn't the Lord so... Uh, head hurting at times, how, you know, he's like three persons, yet he's one, and he's one, but he's three, ah, and so we're holding kingdom and family together, and uh, that's what um, we want to look at, uh, and just underpin that a bit these next three weeks. So today, a perfect love, um, what I want to do is set out a bit of context, and then uh, just look at um, subtitle, freeing the heart to love one another. And I guess, you know, if we sort of close our eyes and think, where could we be in five or six years' time? Wouldn't it be amazing if people said about our church, oh my goodness, you know, they, they might not do this and they might not do that, but oh my goodness, they love each other so extravagantly. God must be real. 
How could they possibly form communities across different backgrounds, different ages and stages, different uh, social groupings? How could they possibly, and how could the depth and quality of their love be so rich, God really must be amongst them? And this is exactly what Jesus said to his disciples, didn't he, in John chapter 13. Do you remember? A new commandment I give you. Love one another. And this is how people will know that you are my disciples. If you love one another. It isn't actually in the, de- in the you know, uh, dexterity of our proclamation. It isn't even how much we serve. It's how much we love one another. People will say, I might not know who he is, but there's something energizing that lot. And it might possibly be God. And I better find out more because it looks so real and so powerful. And uh, that's our our vision behind this. That as God moves amongst us, that the residue left behind is his love. So uh, let's jump into uh, 1 John 4. And then I'm going to just look at a few things related to that. About uh, opening our hearts, freeing our hearts to love one another. So John writes, and uh, I think in some translations, Heather said, didn't she, dear friends, John writes, beloved, let us love one another because love is from God. Beloved. There's a very interesting word that John uses to say, he doesn't say brothers and sisters, he doesn't say dear friends, he says agapetoi. What does agape mean? Okay, and what type of love is agape love? Yeah, it's not brotherly love. It's not romantic love. It's godly love. And John calls them beloved, loved ones, ones who have received God's love. That's how John, who's received this revelation, refers to the guys in this church. Beloved ones, ones who have received the love of God. This wasn't hard for John because do you remember how he described himself? He didn't go around talking about himself as the one who got the best place at the Last Supper, did he? Or the one who went up the Mount of Transfiguration. How did, he, how did John describe himself? I'm the one Jesus loves. You know, think about when you go into work tomorrow morning. You say, you've got a new colleague there just joining the team. Hi, I'm Steve. Hi, I'm the one Jesus loves. That's how John called himself. Because John had received the revelation of the love of God. And he couldn't help but it outflow into how he treated everybody else. Now, if John had a real church, do you think there were one or two who were a bit awkward in his church? <laughs> Maybe. Don't know. Um, If it was a real church, definitely, because people are people, aren't they? But John refers to every one of them as beloved, ones whom God has poured out his love upon. That's how he sees them. And he says, ones who've received the love of God poured out, let us love one another because love is from God. Everyone who loves is born of God And knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, 
for God is love. And that's a challenging statement, isn't it? If we're not loving, we're not fully born of God. And maybe if we dip out for a few moments, then we're not fully living in the life God has called us to. Because those who've been born of him cannot help but love like him. Verse 9, God's love, what's it like? God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. Praise God. He sent Jesus to do what we could not do, to do what Adam and Eve failed to do, to restore that which was lost, and he sent him into the world so that we might find real life through him, life that erupts in our hearts now and life that goes on forever and ever and ever. In this is love. This is how we define love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Isn't that interesting? Think, think about a time before you knew God. Isn't it, isn't it just mind-blowing to think that God was still loving you as much as he did just during that time of worship? Even though we were far away and didn't pay him a jot, jot of attention. You know, we catch a bit of this you know, in, a, in a healthy family setting, don't we? You know, if you've ever had teenagers, and they might once or twice wake up slightly grumpy, you know, on a Monday morning. <laughs> and, uh, but you don't stop loving them, do you? You soak it all up. You try and, you know, help them to interact a bit more <laughs> functionally with the rest of the family. But you love them. It doesn't stop, does it? Before we even turned to God, he loved us. And it looked like the sending of Jesus to do what we could not do, to lay down his life, to atone for all the stuff that we uh, you know, mess up with and messed up with. A perfect sacrifice was made. And that was because he loved us so much to get us back and to reconcile us back to himself. Verse 11, beloved, since God loved us so much, since that flows from him, since that is pouring from his heart. In fact, let's just pause for a moment. You know, if any, any of us never feel loved by God, there's one moment that undercuts that lie. One moment which was when Jesus gave his life for us on Calvary. Doesn't matter, as Patrick was saying at the start of this service, doesn't matter how we feel, doesn't matter what our emotions are doing inside of us, we are loved because he sent his son who gave his life for you and I. We can never doubt his love for us because that happened. And because this overflows from God, since he loved us so much, we also ought to love one another. How can we stop loving one another when we look at how much he loved us and that moved him to sacrificially pay a price in order to win us back? How much more can, how much can we respond in that way to sacrificially love one another in response? In a small way to respond to what he has done. 
So when someone doesn't say thank you for the pastry at the back of church, or when a member of our family is filthy to us over and over again, we say, hang on a minute, before I even turn to Jesus, he came and laid down his life. And that's where I find God's love. And therefore I go again. And I can love. And I can forgive. And I can release. And I can see them how God must have seen me. Beloved, since God loved us so much, we also ought to love one another. Verse 12, no one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, God lives in us. And his love is perfected in us. I want to make a couple of points here. God is invisible, isn't he? Is he? Okay. The Father and Jesus are invisible, aren't they? Jesus is invisible in his physical form, isn't he? Because where is Jesus? Where is he? He's seated at the right hand of the Father. But God is not invisible. No one has ever seen the persons, the two persons of the Trinity, the first and second person of the Trinity. No one has ever seen God, but God lives in us when we love one another. And so, even as I said at the start, you know, when we love one another, that is God's strategy for being revealed in the world. In a world where we uh, you know, define one another in so many less than human ways, our way as the church is we say, our way of showing God is not even in preaching from the edge of the churchyard. It's not even running a course or not even running a kingdom family community per se. But our way of showing God to the world is the way that we love one another. And we say, as we love one another as God has loved us, oh my goodness, what is going on amongst them? When, they're, when, they're, when they hurt each other, they forgive immediately. When you wouldn't expect those types of people to relate to one another, they somehow seem to just not only get along, but they love each other so deeply. It would be amazing to be like that. And that's our way of revealing God to the world. I love that um, Nietzsche quote. He said, um, those who couldn't hear the music thought those who were dancing were completely insane. It's like, have you ever seen a silent disco? <laughs> They're hilarious, aren't they? Everybody's got this soundtrack moving their bodies to dance. And yet, if you stand back at the edge of the party, it looks really weird. But it's the same thing. You know, for those outside of the church, they should be looking in thinking, what, what is the music in their ears? And it's the music and the melody of the Father's love just resounding over and over, but not simply for our personal emotional growth, for our relational bonds of love. And when God lives in us, his love is made perfect in us. 
there's an interesting word, the word uh, perfect there. And it's the word teleos in the Greek from which we get telescope. Now, what does a telescope do? You look here and it transports you to the destination that you want to see. Teleos is about reaching the goal, reaching the destination. And uh, often teleos is used in the Gospels in relation to the kingdom. The kingdom coming, the kingdom reaching its goal, the kingdom arriving. Uh, And yet God says here that when his love reaches his goal is when we are loving one another. And all that, I, all that I think I want to share over the next three weeks is really the logical extension of the revelation of the Father's love that restores our hearts, sets us free, but sets us free to love one another. And that is the destination that, that God loved us so much that we, the destination, the teleos, the telescoping of his love from heaven is when we love one another and then the world goes oh my goodness what is that community is that good is that good agape toy beloved ones yeah thank you lord so what i was going to do and i think we'll short short circuit um slightly what does love look like And I was going to talk about everybody's favourite wedding passage, which is 1 Corinthians. And we always forget. And have you ever been to a wedding and one of those, like, know-it-all clergy says, well, you know, this is really about the church. You know, it's not really about marriage. And it's like, it's a wedding. Don't say that. (laughs) Has anybody ever been there? It's like, you know, they're they're kind of on the edge of church, so don't put them down. They just chose this passage passage because it says love, and they want to love each other and be married. So anyway, you won't hear me saying that in my sermon. But 1 Corinthians 13 is actually about love. Uh, Sorry, it's actually about love in the church. It's not actually about marriage. And what I I would do if we had a bit more time, because we've got communion, is to essentially say love looks like 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patient. Love is kind. And we've just been reading that God is love. So an interesting prayer thing to do this week would be to say, let's swap love is patient for God is patient. God is kind. And then as his love is made real in our hearts, why don't we own that and begin to pray I am patient. I am kind. Okay? So just a little, little bit of homework for us there. But what I'd love to do um, to uh, sort of bring us into land with this is, who, who agrees with everything I've said? Yeah. yeah, we all like it, don't we? Yeah, it's lovely. It's easy, isn't it? <coughs> Cracked it. Yeah? Job done. Yeah, is that right? You got it? Fantastic. Maybe we don't need to come the next couple of weeks. Well, why, why, in some ways, does it get quite challenging and quite hard? And, and I think Patrick introduced uh, at the beginning 
One of the things that blocks our hearts from knowing the love of God more and showing it more fully to one another is, and the, the language would be of the orphan heart, the orphan mindset. Now, don't get hung up on the language, but essentially, any, any way that we need more of the revelation of God's love shows us that we're still recovering and being restored from being orphaned from the love of the Father. So in many ways, everybody's been orphaned from God and we're finding him through Jesus, who's become our saviour, who leads us to the Father and then we receive the revelation that we become his children. And we suddenly find, oh my goodness, Ephesians 3. It's from him, our Father in heaven, from whom every family in heaven and on earth takes its name. And so we're included. We are in the language of Paul in his epistles, adopted into his family because of Jesus. Uh, and so um, I guess at root, and Patrick pulled it out at the start of this service, what we're recovering from is an orphan mindset which essentially focuses on ourselves. You know, Oliver Twist, when he was plunged into orphanhood, has to fight for his survival. And living apart from the love of the Father means that we innately can depend on ourselves and walk out of an orphan mindset. So I just thought very briefly to finish today uh, that we would do a bit of an orphan heart MOT. You ready? Let's see, like, how am I doing? And then we're going to just overcome it this morning and allow God to lead us more fully into the, not only the revelation of his love, but the outworking of his love with one another. So, are we ready? And I just want to sort of say, um, you know, if this sort of lands on any of us now, let's just receive from God even as I do this and, and, and treat this almost as a bit of a, a prayer moment to be with God and be transformed by him. Now I'm going to sort of try and illustrate this a bit in relation to you know, some of the feelings that may have been stirred up by our new kingdom family communities. They may not have been. I'm not transferring this onto any of us here. I'm sure that you've got this all down. Okay. However, let's just do an MOT and see where we see where we are. Okay. So one manifestation of the orphan mindset would be cliqueiness. Not sure I want to get to know any new people. You know, I've got my people, got my friends. I'm pretty uh, pretty all right where I am. Or I might join a KFC. And then I'll plonk myself down and I've got my people for the next 15 years. You know, part of our vision behind uh, the Kingdom Family Communities is they're constantly raising up people all the time in gifts but also in leadership. So if you're in a KFC for three years and it's healthy, you should be leading one after that time. Because that's how we want things to grow and multiply and birth. So, but we like to find security in relationships and it's another opportunity to find more security, even more, on the Father. Okay, who said this word, FOMO? Anyone know what that means? 
fear of missing out. What if we don't join the most vibrant, dynamic one, you know, and they're all sort of climbing every mountain and, you know, descending every valley and, ah, you know. Um, what if I choose the wrong group? If you choose the wrong group, then leave it <laughs> and join another one. You know, there's going to be some movement around, but actually underneath it all, let's just go into, do you know what? In some ways, it doesn't matter what group we join because we're just going to grow together and love one another and then see where the Lord takes us. Why wasn't I chosen as a leader? What's happening at the leader meetings? They're, they're like, you know, they're going to be really exciting, you know. And again, just sometimes this, this fear of missing out. You know, what, what if I don't make Southdown's awakening because I book my holiday to friends, you know? Well, do you know what? Pray for us from friends. And take an awakening to friends, you know? It, it's kind of, we can never miss out on what God has for us. We can delay it, but we can never miss out on what God has for us. Number three, self-preservation. I'm not sure I can really trust people. So I'm just going to keep myself back. In my heart, just build some walls around myself. I give you this much, but not too much. Any of this make sense? Number four, competitiveness. Our group's going to the beach this Sunday afternoon. <clears throat> Our group's going to London. Our group's going for a weekend away together. Our group's going to the wreck in Ashington <laughs> for a picnic. <laughs> you, know. you know, sometimes if, if we're feeling competitive, it can be like, oh, why is the 11 so so massive and we're not as big as that you know come on we are secure and loved by God alright we just don't want ever any of this to be in our lives or in the church insignificance I don't feel good enough around certain sorts of people anyone ever feel like that it's an opportunity to go deeper. You know, we want to be able to relate to all sorts of people and not, not feel under pressure or go quiet or avoid certain sorts of people because we suddenly start feeling a bit rubbish about ourselves. That is just where there's insignificance in our hearts and God's calling us and he's wanting to heal that, to free us. Poverty-minded. I don't want to open up my home. I don't want to cook a meal. What if my stuff runs out? You know, there's, there's not, never quite enough. <laughs> there's a few wry smiles going on around the place. You know, Jesus said about Father in Matthew 6, do not worry about your life. Because he's the one who clothes the flowers of the field and feeds the birds of the air. How much more will he look after us? Okay, next one. Unsubmissive. You know, an orphan doesn't know what it's like to choose to submit because it's had to fight for its own ways. Who sometimes could find other people not very easy to lead. You know, let's be really great followers. Well, let me ask another. Who doesn't like being told what to do? 
<laughs> Come on, we want to, we are followers of Jesus. That's like our identity, to be a great follower. You know, it's, it's, a, it's one of the things that God wants to free us from. Independence. I like to fly solo. I don't really need a KFC. I'm fine on my own. You know, just doing things my way, in my groove. I'm a free spirit, you know. Um, we are made. It wasn't even good enough for Adam to be with God without a woman there. I mean, clearly we know that, but, <laughs> um, but we're made for family. We're made for community. We're made for relationships. We're made to love and to be loved in return, to give and receive love. Number nine. No one will want me in their group. Yeah, we've been training our leaders. You're not, it's not about those who dress the same or those who look the same. We are saying, come on, every group is a reflection of the love of God. So it's like, open, come on. We can't wait for you to arrive. That lovely moment at the end of the video where you know, Jenny's beckoning in. Isn't it just a glorious picture? of the love of God. Come in, come in. And, you know, if we're feeling like no one will want me in their group, that's a place where Father wants to heal any strains of rejection that rear up in our hearts. Pride. They should be learning from me. (laughs) Some people think like that. (laughs) Um, And, you know, come on, let's just learn. Let's learn from one another. Let's humble ourselves. Let's get into community. And finally, just commitment issues, which is essentially like, I quite like being in control of my own destiny. So I'm just not going to enter in. And it's all, I'm quite happy where things are. Okay? Is everyone okay? You've given me a bit more in the first bit. Now it's all a bit challenging, isn't it? (laughs) Can anybody think of someone any of those things might relate to? (laughs) Yeah, it's good, isn't it? We're meant to have communion, and and I'm I'm kind of running out of time. I I don't know whether to just do some prayers just to finish that off, because I don't want to leave you hanging. Maybe I'll do that, and then we'll go into communion. But I just want to say... Thank you, Father, that you speak over us, that we are loved, that we are chosen, that we are your delight, that you would care for us so much that you would send Jesus to win us back, every one of us here, that you made us to be interdependent, giving and receiving love. You made us for one another. You made us to walk this out. You made us to be humble and meek and gentle, and loving, and patient, and merciful. And thank you, Father, that you just care for us so deeply, that you love us so much, in Jesus' name. Amen. So I'm going to, just as we go to communion, I'm just going to finish with, um, just very simply, just some simple uh, repentance, and then some simple declarations on those things. And then we'll go and break bread together. And I think we'll just do it very simply for the sake of time. So let's stand together.
So if any of those things just landed for you, I just want to say for all of them, you know, I can recognize them. And, you know, how I'm living my life is just being so quick to repent and so eager to catch the truth, as Patrick said, of God's love in my life that frees my heart to be a giver and receiver of his love and to one another. So what I'd love to do is to basically lead us in this now. So if you'd like to pray this with me, we're going to basically, basically do it like this. I repent of cliqueiness and I open my life to other people and will actively look out for and include others. Is that good? And then we'll break bread together. I repent of cliqueiness. I open my life to other people and will actively look out for and include others. I repent of a fear of missing out. I declare I will never miss God's plan for my life. I repent of self-preservation. I declare I will trust others and form close friendships. I repent of competitiveness. I rejoice in the success of others. I repent of insignificance. I declare I am precious to God and my life has value. I repent of poverty-mindedness. I am generous and Father will provide for me. I repent of unsubmissiveness. I declare I will honour and respect others and I will be a great follower. I repent of independence. I declare I was made to give and receive love in relationships. I repent of rejection. I declare I am accepted and I am loved. I repent of commitment issues. I declare I'm devoted to others and love to play my part in the body of Christ. Are we there? We've done it. Thank you, Father, that words have meaning and significance and power. And in the name of Jesus, by by your precious spilled blood for us, may you wash us clean and may you release an ever-increasing understanding and revelation of the depths of your love for us that overflows to one another in open-hearted, loving embrace. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We thank you most wonderfully, Father, for giving Jesus. And we remember on the night that he was betrayed, he took bread, he broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, once he'd hand-gelled his hands, He gave it to his disciples saying, take, eat, this is my body which is given for you, do this in remembrance of me. At the end of supper, taking the cup, Jesus gave it to them and said, this is the new covenant in my blood, shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Drink this, all of you, in remembrance of me. Father, we thank you for your gifts of bread and wine to us. We pray that they may be to us the body and blood of your precious Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. May he feed us from his life and nourish us with his strength. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated and let's pray the prayer Jesus taught us himself. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. So my friends, brothers and sisters, draw near with faith. Receive the body of our Lord Jesus Christ which he gave for you, and his blood which he shed for you. Eat and drink in remembrance that he died for you, and feed on him in your hearts by faith, with thanksgiving. We're going to have two uh, stations for communion. Uh, the one with non-alcoholic wine will be on uh, my left, your right as you look at the front. Uh, all the team are suitably protecting themselves uh, and uh, ensuring that not only are we cleansed by the blood of the lamb, but we're cleansed by aloe vera smelling hand sanitizing gel. <laughs> And on a serious note, I would just say we're working on a little coronavirus plan. I think one thing I haven't really heard uh, the government or the church particularly saying in a wider sense is let's be aware of the elderly and the vulnerable. Um, and we're just working on a bit of a plan, phone numbers, how people can access stuff, you know, as people seek to navigate the coming months, offer meals, all that sort of stuff. So we will be in touch. <clears throat> 